You're listening to Tabletop Arcanum, a podcast dedicated to learning and exploring the hobby of tabletop gaming. Your hosts are Justin Taylor and Richard Geese, so sit back and relax as we talk, discuss, and joke our way through the hobby we love so much. Threats emerge across the world as supervillains sow discord, seize power, and crush ordinary people beneath their heels. What hope remains in a world where their master plans go unopposed? But where powerful villains rise, so do mighty heroes. They'll travel the world in a desperate struggle to protect the innocent, face down dire threats, and confront these villains once and for all. It's a battle for the fate of the world, with victory only possible if the heroes stand united. Welcome to Tabletop Arcanum, we're your hosts, Justin and Ricky, and today we are talking about Marvel United. Yeah, so this is the new Simon slash Spin Masters Marvel game, designed by Andrea Chervesio and Eric Lang, and has this unique little chibi art style. So it has a very unique art style in that sense, that it's not quite looking like anything else on the shelf marvel wise this is one to four players it plays in about 40 45 minutes recommended 14 up on the age and msrp is 34.99 you personally got this through kickstarter so you did pay a little bit more but you did get significantly more there's more stuff yeah yeah we'll get into that later on so first impressions you've already actually checked this out on our twitch Yes, we did the unboxing on Twitch, so I got my hot take first impressions out there personally. So if you want to know what I thought, check out on the YouTube, Tabletop Arcanum. And if you want to see the stuff as it comes, follow us on Twitch for that. But give us your first impressions on uh, Marvel United. I I tend to shy away from chibi-style art. Um, It's not entirely my thing. It does feel like Marvel the kids show. Like one of those, let's just take all the heroes and make them all babies. But actually, when you open up the box, the minis are what really kind of sold it for me. The minis are really well sculpted. The art is actually pretty solid. Thinking on it, and like I have looked at other minis games, because it's the chibi style, they're a little bit chunkier models, they're a little mm-hmm. bit chunkier pieces, which actually is good for families and, and kids because you don't necessarily have small pieces that are going to break off when you look at them funny, which things like Cthulhu. Wars with their high detail tentacles and things like that or actually some of other Eric Lang's other games like Blood Rage or Rising Sun you get these amazing Simon detailed minis but then because they're so high detail and there's things that can break weapons that can snap off very easily you don't get that Mm -hmm. on these I think the weakest model in here might be Wasp's Wings and they're still pretty sturdy it's an art style as you said it is not something you gravitate towards it's actually something I don't gravitate towards myself either I almost didn't back the game solely on art style let's talk about what you get in a core box so for the 30 dollars experience you get eight heroes and three villains which is will lead into the good stuff there's a lot of variety and a lot of like randomization and mix and match and, and options that while you're only playing three different villains they play differently the heroes play differently enough where i've played this a bunch of times and i don't feel like i really played the same game twice in any of those times and the first time i sat down and played this that we played against red skull three times in a row and we mix and match what heroes we were playing during that time but it was still like it was a same scenario we just kept trying until we won you and i played fast masker and we looked at ultron too and we kind of saw the variety of what the villains can do 
I do like that it's a nail-biting game. You are going to play it and you think that you're going to fail. And it gets yeah. frustrating. It's real frustrating. It takes a lot of coordination to kind of figure out what you need to do and what kind of situation to get to the end game. And in the few times that we did play it, I felt like we were going to lose by looking at how many cards we had left. Red Skull's track was almost at the end mm-hmm. at, before we beat them. Like, yeah, you're right. Nail-biter yeah. style endings. It does that well, but at the same time, it also has that other flip side. This actually hits my sweet spot of slightly more or less around 50% win on what I've played so far. Not to brag or anything, but I'm sitting at 100%. Right. My first two games, I didn't win. I didn't even come close, I think, in the first game. Other benefit, it has some modular rules. Now that we're getting a little more comfortable, we can actually up the difficulty for ourselves with challenges. It also has a solo variant, which is always a fun thing to add. And the solo mode is actually very nice because it's like, essentially you play three heroes at once with a one solid mix and match deck, which, fine by me, I usually play a lot of solo games two-handed unless they have real solo rules. So it's what I'd be doing almost anyway. A couple other things I do enjoy, and I called this out on the unboxing. The rule book is actually a stitched rule book not a stapled rule book, which is a nice little simple touch of it's not many pages long, but it's not going to fall apart instantly either. Mm-hmm. My favorite thing about the game so far is not just the variety and the randomness, but the one key mechanic of the storyline cards. Villain takes their card, puts it in the storyline action rows, if you will, does whatever it's going to do, and then the heroes and players take their turns. You can set up each other and you can use each other's cards a little bit. So you get the actions of your card and the hero card played before you. There's been a couple times where it's like, well, I could do this, but will this help you set up a better turn? We can kind of play off each other's strengths and weaknesses. If you did something awesome, and then like I could kind of piggyback off that to launch my turn into something that was looking mediocre to then something that's better. I think that's a fun mechanic that I don't see a lot. I'm actually having a hard time thinking of any particular games that actually use something like that. It does feel like a co-op game where you actually always rely on the other players but you definitely rely on your team working together to get to the end you're impacting each other's turns a lot more directly compared to some other co-op games where you can kind of play in a box but you're all working towards a collective goal but you're all playing in your own little box Mm -hmm. working towards that goal together this felt a little more fluid and even with higher player counts it felt fluid speaking of higher player counts the villain initially takes a turn every three hero turns so it scales if you're playing by yourself you get three turns and then it does a thing if we're playing two of us, it's me, you, me, and then the villain takes a turn. If we're playing three players, everybody takes a turn, and the villain takes a turn. You know when the villain's going to activate. You know when you can react to it. But no matter the number of players, the same amount of character actions will take place between turns, no matter the number of players you're playing with. And that is a very smart design. The only downside I've seen to that design so far is in a four-player game. It's villain acts, player one, player two, player three, villain acts, player four gets their first turn after two villain acts. Not necessarily a great thing if the villain starts to land on their space and beat them up and they can't do anything because they literally don't have a turn. But you really can't lose in that first couple turns, so it's okay. You just might be behind the eight ball a little bit worse than that point. So another thing that I like, and I think it does well, is there's a decent amount of strategy and a lot of open accessibility. Like, I feel like a lot of people can approach this game. My wife played this game and she enjoyed it. And with some of the future expansions that'll be coming out, not only uh, the Kickstarter stuff, but some of the the retail stuff too, those are designed to add a little bit more chunkiness, get it from a light-medium game to more of a medium game. As far as the Kickstarter goes, it's a stupid amount of minis that you're going to get out. 
out of it. A lot of them are unfortunately exclusive, and that's actually kind of one of the downsides. They put out a lot of content that... If you didn't back, you're not going to get a lot of it. There's still a lot of content to play even without the exclusiveness, but that missing out factor is there. Simon's known for that with a lot of their Kickstarters, but this one seemed to be a little bit more extreme than some of the others because this is actually like almost gameplay content that's missing where i can think of like rising sun was one clan was pretty much exclusive there was a little bit of a gameplay with them but it wasn't like over a dozen different heroes and half again number of villains that you're not going to get to see unless you have the kickstarter pledge $34.99 is, I'd say, slightly underpriced. I think they could have probably sold this at $40 and still be a decent value. I'm happier to see it come underneath where I feel it should be. I always think games are a little on the overpriced side. I think this one might actually be a slightly underpriced, and I'm okay with that. Price per mini, you're doing pretty good at that $35 price point, right? What are your thoughts? You bought this through the Kickstarter, and I did not. And I actually might go pick this up through our local friendly gaming shop. Which should be hitting any time now at this point. I feel like for that $35, 49 without any of the Kickstarter exclusives, this is still a game that has a solid place in my collection. Right. I do want to touch on one little controversial point of it. We kind of talked about the, the exclusives, which is a huge controversial point, but a smaller one. A particular retailer got this in their warehouses and in their distribution channels before backers got theirs, almost by a month. And of course, threw it out there, put it on the shelf, and people bought it. I will have to say, a small kudos to Simon. They are throwing two new villains into the mix for backers as kind of an apology. It's a small token of appreciation. For me, it kind of soothes the wounds, but I also have way too many games, so it didn't bother me too much, but I know it bothered other people. You're a Kickstarter dolphin. You put a decent amount of money into Kickstarter, whereas if this is the first game that I backed on Kickstarter and then I walked into this retailer and saw it sitting there on the shelf, I think I I would be pretty upset. Right. Kickstarter for me is like future Christmas. It's always like, it's a gift for me from the past into the future, and the only time I'm ever really truly upset through a Kickstarter campaign is if something goes horribly wrong and like it's mismanaged or it's canceled or something goes wrong I understand that's a possibility but that's when I get a little more frustrated than Mm -hmm. uh, if it's a delay that's one thing stuff gets delayed I think they did an okay job trying to make it up to people saying hey let's we'll give you some more content we're sorry the fact that they came out and did something is more important than not. They could have gone, whoops, not our fault. It was this retailer's fault. So who would you suggest this game for? I would suggest this game for Marvel fans with families who want to share either the love of Marvel or love of games. Because it's a game that's approachable for younger audiences. And it's a game that's approachable for fans. So it hits us nice crossbreed. It's easy enough to play with younger children as long as they can start to understand that concept of needing to work together. I would not suggest this for anyone much younger than 14 only because it is, like we said, it is a nail-biter game and getting destroyed repeatedly for a child probably would not bode too well. I think you can go a little younger if a parent or someone older was there to assist. If a group of 10-year-olds wanted to play this without any like supervision, that might be the problem. But if I had like a 14-year-old and a 10-year-old and myself, I think I'd be okay. Your kid may vary kind of thing there, but with a little help, because it's a co-op game, I think you can push that a little bit 
down and still be okay. Not recommended. I wouldn't recommend this to anyone who likes co-op games but doesn't like relying on people. Like you said... It's like an oxymoron, right? Exactly. It's a co-op game that doesn't rely on other people. Think of like Arkham Horror LCG. It's one of those games where what they do in a specific turn won't always affect you. That is true. This game, whatever your prior player did is part of your turn. Yeah. And likewise, what you're doing will affect the next person. So yeah, there's a lot more interaction with this one if you're not a fan of player interaction, but it's a player interaction in a good way. There's not a take that sort of like, haha, I'm going to set you up to fail. No. It's just what's good for me may not be great for you when it comes to your turn. Yeah. Well, that's our thoughts on Marvel United. As always, go check us out on all the socials. We've got Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, as well as Justin, what have you been up to? Doing unboxings on Twitch, which then go on to YouTube. Which, again, we did do an unboxing of Marvel United, so you can actually see everything we talked about physically. If you want live updates, make sure to collect all the Infinity Stones, and it's just a snap away. As always, this has been Justin and Ricky. Happy gaming. You've been listening to Tabletop Arcanum, hosted by Justin Taylor and Richard Geese, and featuring the original music by Paul Moore and Isaac Gilbert. You can follow us on most social media platforms. Please don't forget to like, subscribe, and leave us a review on whatever platform you listen to podcasts. As always, thanks for listening.